Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Take a closer look at unlimited data plans, and you'll see they're not always upfront with their prices. Not at T-Mobile. Get unlimited data with taxes and fees already included. And right now, get four lines of unlimited data while on our network for just 40 bucks each per month with AutoPay. So go ahead, take a closer look, and you'll see nobody does unlimited like T-Mobile. Don't wait. Hurry into a T-Mobile store or call us at 1-800-T-MOBILE and switch today. Top 3% of data users over 32 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds. You're listening to the Cowbell Kingdom Podcast, brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lube, fast and convenient automotive services with over 25 locations in the area. Visit them at JiffyLubeCA.com for coupons and locations today. Now, here's your host, James Ham. Welcome to the Cowbell Kingdom podcast brought to you by Jiffy Lube. I am James Ham, and joining me courtside, we're sitting here in Sleep Train Arena, is one of my favorite people at the, oh, uh, wow. at, at, in Sacramento to come and hang out with at a game, uh, Dave Deuce Mason from Sports 1140. Deuce, what's going on, man? James, thanks for having me. I could think of no better guest for the 172nd edition of the Cowbell Kingdom podcast than that's, myself. That's right. It might be 172, might be 170. It's in the 170s, somewhere in there. Yeah. It's somewhere in there. Um, but look, it's been a big week, right? We're sitting here, we're watching uh, Boogie Cousins uh, and and Chris Weber, you know, meeting up. We see Chris Weber going over and talking to Corliss Williamson. Um, it's Marv Albert's toupee. Don't forget. I just we should point that out. Oh, it is Marv Albert. Yes, yes. Um, it's it's a different world here in Sacramento now, and it's another Legends game tonight. Mike Bibby will be in the house. Yep. Chris Weber will be in the house doing the TNT game. What has that been like for you to see some of these legends come through town? You know, last year and again this year. Uh, it, it's awesome, and I think you look at. Even across professional sports, I think some of the best organizations will bring back people from their past. I think the San Francisco Giants do a great job of bringing back legends. And it's important because there's so many people who have had an impact in getting this organization where it is today. I mean, if you if the Kings didn't have a Chris Webber or a Mike Bibby, they probably wouldn't be here today, right? Because they finally got success. And that created, an, you know, made a whole bunch of new fans out there who are still fans today. And... 
It's just an exciting time. I mean, you think about the fact that Rudy Gay elected not to test free agency. He decided he was going to stay in Sacramento. I was shocked that he didn't test free agency. I think it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I think I really think he could have gotten 14, 15 million to go somewhere else. I mean, oh, yeah. if you look across the NBA, the landscape of salaries, absolutely. And he had enough confidence in the organization, the pieces and what they're building that he wants to be a part of it. And that's awesome. Yeah, I think it should be pointed out too. Like Chandler Parsons signs max money. Yep. Uh, Gordon Hayward signs max money. And in my opinion, I, I, we've had this debate. Uh, I think that Rudy Gay is better than both of those guys. Certainly, he's a couple of years older. He's he's wiser than those guys. But they've done nothing. They've no, they've won they've nothing. Done nothing. They've won nothing they've in the done league. Something. They, I think no. you're way too hard on Parsons. I like Chandler Parsons. Is he a max money guy? I don't think so. No. Um, I like Gordon Hayward. The guy is a young player. I think he's a very good playmaker. Not he's in a Utah. max money guy. Okay. He may not be one today. He could be one in two years though. Um, I, I like Gordon Hayward a lot, but your point is valid. The fact is, uh, Rudy is one of the better small forwards in the NBA, and I think he he's able to get along with the big fellow, DeMarcus Cousins, and they, yeah. they, they are able to work together. And I think they complement each other well. Yeah, and the one guy I think that deserves a tremendous amount of credit for putting all this together is the guy who's the head coach of this team, Michael Malone, because I think his ability to build relationships with players. Uh, goes a long, long way. Even last year, this team won 28 games last year, and no, everyone was on the same page. No one was talking smack about the coach or the team. DeMarcus said after the season, after that 28-win season, he talked about he would go to battle with Michael Malone any day. Yeah. And that, that's, that said a lot to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Michael Malone has done a wonderful job putting this team together, uh, you know, pulling this team sure. together. I think, you know, Pete D'Alessandro clearly has done some yeah. some heavy lifting. I mean, what he's been able to accomplish. For me, that's that's one of the things that's missing out of this conversation is the job that Pete D'Alessandro did of not just going out and getting Rudy Gay, which shocked everybody, but yeah. rehabilitating Rudy Gay's image and then being able to keep Rudy Gay and not have him walk out the door. I, yep. I think that all of those are different steps, but still it's very, very interesting. And I think what he's done is he's written the roadmap for him for the future. It's like, this is what I can do for you. If you're having issues, if you're a player who's an undervalued asset, we can fix that. We right. can rehabilitate you to where you can go out and get another $40 million contract. So I think that that's a very you know key, key piece to point out in this. Yeah, and the other thing you bring up, uh, about Rudy staying is what I love. They weren't going to get Rudy Gay in free agency. Like if no, Rudy Gay was free never. agency, he would never come here because what you have is you have, hey, he'll come visit. He's going to go in a conference room, talk to Malone and talk to D'Alessandro and meet Vivac and they're going to have a PowerPoint of, hey, here's what we're going to do and here's what the arena looks like. Yes. But there's nothing like being able to experience it firsthand. And they knew that they liked Rudy Gay. They saw what they could do to make him succeed here. And they thought, okay, let's go ahead and bring him in here and show him what we're about. Yeah. Show him not... Not in a meeting, a, a one-day meeting during free agency. They said, you know what, we're going to do this. We're going to bring him to town and show him what we're about. And, you know, they tried that with Iguodala. They tried to bring in, bring in Iguodala the summer before, and they, they did the full-court press, and it didn't work out so well. Yeah. And they ended up, you know, pulling back their offer because I, I don't know why. I mean, we, we'll never really know the whole story there. Um, but in, even that, in that case, Pete had a relationship with Iguodala where he could even get to step one. Sure. I, I don't know that you would have got to step one with Rudy Gay. The fact that you, you got him in here for just that short stint, and you, then you convinced him to sign for that $19.3 yep. million. Dollars. And then after the $19.3 million, I mean, you show him that you're building something. I think it really goes a long way to 
to show you how this team can be built and maybe how the Kings can maybe lure a free agent. Yep. Or they can they can do the same thing again where they go out and they bring in a guy who maybe has a questionable pass, maybe has a, a contract that's a little bit bigger than the team that he's on wants. And they can take you and they can fit you into the puzzle and they can make it work and you can go from there. And there's not many guys who have come through Sacramento, okay, and say bad things about the city. No. Not all have great times with the team. They may end up going somewhere else and having more success. But I would say a good portion of the players who come through Sacramento and experience the city, their perception of the city totally changes after being here and living in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Rudy Gay thought yeah. something totally different of Sacramento. Then he came here and he's like, wow, this is actually probably a really great place to raise my family. And it's yeah. not as bad as we think as a, a, a visiting player coming to town. Yeah, I know. I, I brought that up to him in the press conference. How much did, you know, his life changing, having uh, his, his wife Echo had a baby this summer, how much did becoming a father and building a young family, how much did that play into this? And he said it, it played into it a lot. This yeah. is a place he can see himself living, not just now, but, you know, he could go buy himself a, a $3 million, $4 million mansion out in Granite Bay with a beautiful view. Yeah, and, like, like in the Ham area, the yeah, James Ham area. Yeah, and he could live here for the rest of his life. You know, he could end up being a Sacramentan, yeah. you know, like Bobby Jackson has, like Absolutely. a lot of these players who, who came here have. So I think that's another aspect to this is, you know, sort of undervalued. But still, the, the other thing is it allows Pete Dallasander to go out and find some other pieces, right? Uh, because they know what they need now. So what is it that they're going to go chase now that they know they've got Rudy Gay, they've got Marcus Cousins, they've got Darren Collison right. under contract moving into the new building? Well, there's a lot. Of, there's still a lot of holes to fill, and I think one thing you have to look at is Mike Bibby just got introduced for a little Q&A here in front of us. Yeah, and you can Jason, hear the reaction. Jason Ross just walked by. Do, do you feel like you're cheating on him? Do you feel like you're cheating on him while you're sitting here hanging out with me, Jay Ross? Yeah, it's by. a little weird. I'm used to sitting and talking to him every day. Um, as far as what the Kings need next, uh, <laughs> I mean, they still need defense. I, I think yeah. They need a perimeter defender. They could use a shot blocker, and they need shooting because in today's league, you have to have three-point shooters, and right now, they don't have three-point shooting. Yeah, uh, they, they need a three and D. Yeah, they need and, the three and D guy. And, and and Stauskas, you can't depend on a rookie to give you that. You hope he can turn into that. Yes, Mclemore has been shown. He's got potential this year. I think yeah. he's made some strides defensively, but I still think he's up and down offensively, and that's kind of what you expect from young shooting guards. And uh, it's going to take time, but I think that's what you're going to look at. This team. People get upset after one loss. Like, settle down. This is probably a 500 team, and that's a great thing. They're improving. And I think that the thing that should be pointed out, too, is that you move into the month of December. The month of November is just absolutely brutal. You move into December, though, yeah. and uh, they play 15 games. 11 of them are at home. Two of them, one is in L.A., one is in Golden State. You have two true road games, and they're at the sure. very end of the month. You have an opportunity, eight Eastern Conference teams, to get on a roll and to come into January, come into the new year, rolling, you know, yep. you know, already knocking down the door and knocking on the door of that 20-win season, that 20-plus win season. And I think that's where you just have to survive this first, this first brutal month of the season. You know, I think they have six games left here in November. Yep. Uh, Chicago tonight. Um, but some tough games left, maybe, maybe two or three wins. You, you need a split here to walk out of November above 500. And then, boom, you hit this December where you face teams like Orlando and Milwaukee on your home floor, and, and you get some momentum. And then who knows where this thing goes? You're exactly right, and that's what you have to see is 
when those teams contend, you just mentioned, there can't be a letdown. Like, you've got, when yeah. you, you have Orlando at home, you can't lose that game. Milwaukee's improved. You still win that game because you're at home. You have to build that home momentum. They had a lot of home games early in the season last year. It didn't help at all, obviously, because that was a different team. But I, I, if they come out this month right around 500, even if it's a game or two below, I'll take it. I mean, most people after that Golden State game did not have high hopes this season, especially no. with how the schedule is playing out in November. Yeah, and your friend over 1140, Carmichael Dave, telling everybody they're going to go 1-9 and nine to start uh, the season. That didn't help anybody. <laughs> yeah, Dave. I, see, the fact is Dave doesn't really know basketball. That's the thing. He's too emotional, and he doesn't know basketball like we do. We're the basketball minds of Sacramento. We're here. We're here every game. <laughs> we're here every game. Whether we're the basketball minds of Sacramento, uh, it doesn't. Uh, we are here, and I mean, this is almost my. This is the start of my fifth season doing this. Uh, so I've I've watched plenty of suspect, subpar yeah. basketball in oh, my yeah. day. You've seen a lot of bad basketball. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think what we're seeing is the nexus, the beginning of something better, something more interesting for us to talk about, for us to write about, for us to go on the radio sure. and do. Uh, which is very exciting just because it's not fun covering a team that, that loses. I mean, when you win 20, you know, I guess the best is 28, right? The best that we've yeah. seen in the last couple of years. Um, so how many losses is that? Is that 54? 54 losses. James, I'm not, I, I talk on the radio. I don't do math, all right? You know, yeah, it's 54, <laughs> Dave. It's 54 losses a it's year. It's bad is what it is. <laughs> and the fact is you better win more than 28 games. Yeah. Uh, I still think, hey, the goal this year, if you can get me 35 to 41 wins, I'll take it. I'm not getting greedy. I'm being realistic with this because as the team is constructed right now, yes, I just think they're going to be up and down. When you don't have good defensive players, like who's a plus defensive player on this team? Like DeMarcus is a but is he a plus defensive player? He's a good defensive player. I think you're seeing Darren Calls improve to okay. be a much better okay, defender. Fine. I think Reggie Evans off the bench can give you okay. moments of plus defense, but you're right there, overall. You don't have it. So you know what you're going to have is lapses because a team yeah. defense is not always going to be perfect. And that's that's what this team is going to be built on is some team defense. And what Carlson's done on the ball has been great. So you're just going to see up and down play. And I don't think fans would be upset about it. Enjoy this ride. Enjoy, like you just said, this looks like it's rising, going in the right direction now. Yeah. And, it, hey, let, let's hope this year is a 500 year. Next year, that's when you start making that next push. Yeah, I guess that's the question, right? I keep getting asked when I do when I do different shows, what is your, what is your win total? I think at the beginning of the season I said 34, uh, but with a plus minus of 8. And uh, which which isn't you know it's pretty much I don't really want to make a prediction. So twenty six and forty two wins. But now I'm even more vague. Like when someone says, "Well, what are they going to win?" and I say, "You know what? I'm not willing to say. I'm not willing to say because I don't know how good they are and I don't know how bad they are. Uh, right now, I think that they're a team that could win forty plus games, um, but they're also a team that the wheels could fall off. And then you, the thing that really sticks out to me is that. If you really break it down, this team has been together less than seven weeks from start to finish, from yeah. training camp to where we are today. Less than seven weeks, this team is together. Five new rotational players. You can probably even guess it. It's more than five because the other guys on the bench that are actually getting minutes here and there, all of them are new. I mean, this, yeah. this entire roster is fresh again. Uh, both of your point guards are new. You know, one of your shooting guards, both of well, your reserve uh small forward and you look at Carl Landry played 18 games last year that's it yep. so I mean I think there is some hope there that 
that this team that we see right now can start to grow together, start building some chemistry, start moving forward, and then who knows? And that's why I tell people, I'm not going to put a, a number on it anymore because uh, who knows? Could this team win 46 games? They could. And, and I don't want to be the guy that says they're not going to because yeah. they can get better, and if they make one substantial sure. move. That could change a lot. Yeah, yeah. you get Ramon Sessions and Derek Williams in a package for a player and you know someone who's looking to dump some salary for and wants to give up a good player um that's pretty that's pretty spectacular yep and i, I think that you know for me the biggest difference this year is demarcus cousins and we, we we've seen him for years okay we've seen this guy since his rookie year his attitude is completely different he's he's got the intensity that's always going to be there and he's going to get technicals that's okay don't forget about that but the fact is he's become a better leader he's running harder he's talking to guys and I think he's taken tremendous strides, and I love where the, uh, the where this team is going. I, I, I do too, Dave. Well, hey, we've got to wrap up. We've got to go get Coach Malone be in pregame. Uh, and, uh, but thanks for so much for coming on. It's nice to hang out. We usually do these informal yeah. sitting somewhere on a stool um, podcasts. It, it's never like your typical over-the-phone interview, so it's, it's, it's always fun. nice. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this portion of the Cowbell Kingdom podcast brought to you by Jiffy Lube. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Cowbell Kingdom podcast. Big thank you to Dave Deuce Mason from 1140KHTK for coming in and joining me. This is a Cowbell Kingdom podcast brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lube, fast and convenient automotive services with over 25 locations in the area. Visit them at jiffylubeca.com for coupons and locations today. I am James Ham. I am joined by Mr. Aaron Bruski of NBC Sports. Aaron Bruski, what's going on? Not much, man. It's a crazy night in Sacramento. They're going to paint the town purple after a big win over the Bulls. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of fun to watch Sacramento get a little crazy. Seven and five. And you knock off in that seven and five some really good teams. And tonight's game, national TV. And it wasn't like national TV, we're going to give you like two guys that you've never heard of before. I mean, they actually sent the A-team here. We had Chris Weber. We had Marv Albert going, yes. <laughs> um, you know, Mike Bibby was in attendance because it was uh, the Mike Bibby legacy night. He filled in for Jason Williams, who pulled up lame. I don't know what exactly happened with Jason Williams, but uh, Mike Bibby was asked to come in. He was going to be here in April, and instead uh, on Monday they called him and said, hey, we had a cancellation. Can you come in now? And, uh, yeah, Mike Bibby hopped on board. Brad Miller was in attendance. Uh, you weren't here, but uh, Mike Bibby literally looks like um, he's been hanging out with, like, The Rock. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was like, hey, Mike, you've been working out? Like, what up, dude? Um, yeah, it, it was pretty ridiculous. Maybe he's going for another run. No, I don't think he has any plan on going for another run. He actually told us that he hasn't seen an NBA game, walked into an NBA arena since he left the game uh, during the 2011-2012 season. He doesn't even watch basketball. We asked him about it, and he said that uh, he watches a lot of Disney Channel. That was his reaction because he's got four kids, and retirement's been treating him well. He's just kind of pumping iron and hanging out and coaching his kids you know, through basketball and other things. And Yeah, he seemed like he was good. So it was good to see Mike Bibby. Uh, good to see Chris Weber. I'll say this: Chris Weber's come through town quite a few times, you know, over the course of time, and he gets a good response from the crowd and stuff. But he's not always super friendly behind the scenes. 
and that is not the way he was today. When he came in the building today, he was all smiles. He uh, had big hugs and love for Sign Lady, just made her day completely. Uh, pictures and you know her holding up signs with him, and he was very, very friendly all the way around. I watched him walk out on the court, run right over to Demarcus Cousins, uh, and then come over to Corliss Williamson and get a big hug from Corliss Williamson. Just looks like a lot of weight lifted off his shoulders, and I'm not sure why, um, but maybe it's that the Maloofs are, are no longer here. Maybe there are some other reasons, but he seemed to be extremely happy to be back in Sacramento. Yeah, I've noticed some of that acrimony play out with, uh, you know, I don't know what was going on with Grant's show today, and uh, I think Dave mentioned something on Twitter too, so I don't know if he said something on the air or, uh, you know, they kind of butt heads every once in a while. They um, don't like each other. Yeah. 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 Um, and part of that's probably the relationship with the Maloofs. And yeah, he was pretty funny looking with that cannon. I don't, you didn't probably get to see this. Uh, it was on TV. He was shooting t shirts into the crowd. And talk about a funny look on his face. He looked petrified to oh. shoot the thing. <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> so, they didn't get Brad Miller to go get some like big game hunting, you know? Well, yeah. And he, he dapped up Brad Miller and it was just, you know, it was a really good expose for the Kings. Uh, they keep getting incredibly fortunate that when they play these marquee teams, there's something going on where this, in this case, it was Derek Rose and Pau Gasol that were out and the Kings were actually favored in this game by three points. So, really? um, yeah, so Vegas is usually not far off, and, and they saw the Kings as a better team tonight. And, and it really just looked that way on the court because, uh, you know, you had a lot of Mike Dunleavy <laughs> going one-on-one. Uh, <laughs> Mike Dunleavy starting the game off with a, you know, a, a push or whatever he did with, uh, I don't know, was it Cousins or whatever have you. But, yeah, just a really good look for, for the Kings. They got that brand-new court. You know, they're winning they, they've got everybody on their side, it seems. So, uh, yeah, it was just really interesting to see that after years and years and years and years of you know, sub, yeah, substandard play. You know, I, I was looking tonight, and uh, Ben McLemore left Mike Dunleavy wide open on two, two three-pointers in the first quarter, and, of course, Dunleavy hit them both right, off, right to start the game. Dunleavy had six points. And then Ben McLemore... Uh, unlike most of the time with Ben McLemore or Ben McLemore of the of last season, he decided to stay with his man, and Dunleavy ended up, you know, basically going cold. He he had two of his next eleven from the field, so started two of two, finishes four of thirteen, two of seven from behind the arc, and I do attribute a good amount of that to the defense of Ben McLemore. I thought he played very well in his thirty minutes of play. He's He's figuring out a way to be productive, and tonight he had 11 points on 4 of 6 shooting and 3 of 4 from behind the arc, but I think he's really, really coming on. He's growing as a player, and it's really interesting to watch sort of the development. And then tonight, to watch uh, Michael Malone for the first time, did not play Nick Stauskas. And so Nick Stauskas, well, okay, Stauskas gets in for 25 seconds to finish the game. But the last 25 seconds of the game, I mean, he's out of the rotation. So we we saw some different things tonight from Michael Malone. Did you did you notice anything strange? Absolutely. And if you watch the TNT broadcast, you would see a Mike Malone almost crossing the proverbial line between 
asking and begging his team to win the game in a in a timeout huddle. He you could tell that he wanted it and you knew the organization obviously wants this win or wanted the win tonight. Of course. And so I think this was if there was like a quote playoff lineup that was built today. I think this is the playoff lineup um, against this particular Chicago Bulls squad. But yeah, there was just he didn't want to put anything to chance. And I think when you when you look at Stauskas, the defense is obviously still a work in progress. And, you know, with Ben McLemore, I think all roads will lead back to Cousins when we talk about the development of players, because Cousins is doing things on a daily and a weekly basis, just like he did last year. I felt like every game he would show me something and I would say, oh my God, I've never, I've never seen that. And this year it's happening at an increasing uh, Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's really nuts. I mean, he, he can just contort his body in ways and take contact. And he's, I, I mean, if uh, there's probably a stat somewhere. i got to find it for pump fakes in the post. Al Jefferson is a guy that will pump fake you five times until you finally go up in the air and then he gets up and under you for the and one. Cousins is is looking like he's pump faking more than Al Jefferson these days. And that's just one of his moves. He can drop step. He can go around you, jump hook. He can drive at you. He can Euro step. He can go left hand, right hand, take the contact. He can, he can jump pretty well. So, I mean, offensively, he's getting double and triple teamed. I thought Chicago actually did a really good job double teaming him, sending the trap at the right time, which teams have been horrible about this year. Um, But he's he's not going to be denied. And so a bad game for Cousins is going to kind of look like tonight's 22 and 14. Yes. So I think for a guy like Ben McLemore, he is feeding off of that because he's going to get wide open shots every night. And he knows that coach has the confidence in him to let him take those shots. And for him, he just has to stay within himself, try to work on things like getting his feet set try to work on the defensive aspect of the game. And it really simplifies it for him because if he knows that he's just going to take spot-up shots and you know the occasional dribble drive, he can really take the mental energy and focus on the defensive end. And that's where I think we've seen um, Coach Malone really kind of have that increased confidence. You know, what I th- found really interesting tonight was that Kurt Heinrich in the first quarter went right over to Cousins and literally just tried to incite him. He just grabbed his arm and was yanking on him and – and the officials, not only did they stop play, but they teed up Heinrich. And it was just a blatant attempt, attempt to bait Cousins into something. And every time they play the Bulls, I mean, we have the uh, the FU game of last year where Noah just literally gets... gets he almost did it again tonight. And he almost did it again tonight. Yeah, well, he probably should have been double teed. He did, yeah. he did lose his, his marbles again. Um, but it wasn't as good as the fu 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 uh, game. <laughs> You're that, cool. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Of you know that that was fun to watch the meltdown. Um, but tonight, you know, even late in this game, I know that Cousins went up over three bulls, including like Taj Gibson and Dunleavy and uh, Joe Kim Noah, and then he gave a little pump fake, and then he just spun a ball, and it's almost like he can hit the glass anywhere and the ball knows where to climb into. And it was incredible, like, just this moment where it was in a huge, you know, swing in the in the game, a, a momentum swing, and he just makes this incredible rebound, rips it down, and then flicks the ball up. He, he now has uh, 9 out of the 11 games this season. He's got a double. No, 9 out of 12, right? Uh, he's got a double-double. 
in 9 out of 12 games, and he's got five straight double-doubles. And once again, he's starting to plug away at like this alarming rate where I just don't see there's any way he's not an all-star. There's no way he's not a an all MV an all uh, an all NBA player, first team, second team, whatever it may be. And for that matter, I, you know he is in the MVP conversation. Early, the Kings fans were chanting MVP, MVP at one point. I think it was after his incredible rebound and putback. Um, but this guy is growing leaps and bounds. And this is against Joe Kim Noah and Tosh Gibson, two incredible post defenders. He just absolutely annihilated them. And when he wasn't just cutting right through them, he was hitting Ben McLemore. I mean, he finishes, he finished with four assists, and he could have had more if the Kings would have, A, hit shots, or B, shot the shot that he got them initially. So I, I'm starting to see development out of him where, again, it's so hard to like say, who does he look like? And we've talked about Hakeem in the past, but he's just so much better with the ball than Hakeem ever was. And then you have Chris Webber in the stands tonight, and he dribbles like Chris Webber did. He's got the same great hands, the pillows that Chris Webber had. And so he's, in my mind, he's kind of become like a hybrid of those two players, which is really strange, but that's who I kind of see him, a hybrid of... Hakeem's moves in the post and Chris Webber's fluidity as a six foot ten, six foot eleven player. And it, it it's just so much fun to watch a kid develop in front of your eyes. And as he's developing, he's becoming better and better and better to deal with, which is just a huge added bonus. Well, and okay, so when we talk about the offensive side of this, it's it's glaring and it's blatant. It's the, the steps that he's taken forward, you know, it's hard to to, to miss. But the steps that he's taking on the defensive end, to me, are the difference makers and why the Sacramento Kings are winning the games that they're winning, why they've exceeded expectations. I think coming into the season, everybody assumed that Cousins would be a, a load in the post, but the backline rotations in, in the front line, pardon me, they're, they've always been really, really bad. And they've, they've led to a lot of finger-pointing, um, the, the chemistry broke down as a result of that one thing, I think, more than anything else is guys saying, where were you? You know, you're supposed to be here. Um, it wasn't always the front court, but a lot of times that front court back, um, you know, covering the, the back end of the pick and roll. It's just been a mess. And when you watch DeMarcus Cousins this year on anything, and I'm talking anything, I, it's rare that you catch him out of place on a coverage and the way he's hedging on defense is it's like genius. I, I he's taking advantage of that gray area where you you don't get too close and you don't stay too far and you challenge shots that he should has really has no business challenging, but he's got that quickness and that athleticism that um, that makes it happen. Yeah, he's fouling too much, and I think the teams are going at him. And, and that's part of the problem. And he's got to stop with some of the ticky-tack stuff. And that's all part of the process. But when your team leader plays that level of defense and is a difference maker as well, when, he, when he's committed, it's very easy for everybody else to fall in line and buy in. And I think with DeMarcus completely doing a 360 this offseason and getting his teammates on his side... I think that's why you see the chemistry that you're seeing. So they're, they're doing it on offense. They're doing it on defense. They've got the chemistry. And 
this is frankly the same kind of team that they had last year. You've got three primary scorers and ball handler playmaker types, you know, and a, you've got a pretty consistent bench presence out of Carl Landry, even though he only went one for seven last night. Yeah. Um, the bench is an issue. You know, they, they need somebody coming off the bench, um, you know, somebody like somebody that's no longer with Sacramento that can come in and, and be a spark plug and, and take this, the pressure off of the first unit because when the second unit comes in, it's a mess. And um, It is a mess still, yes. So, so yeah, that's I, I think what you're seeing is the overall rise of this team. It's all anchored to DeMarcus Cousins and, in particular, the defense. Yeah, I'm looking, you know, I, I want to transition here in just a sec. But, you know, again, the one thing I will point out is that Omri Caspi has been playing extremely good basketball. And tonight, you know, no different. He finishes 5 of 5 from the field. Uh, four, four, four from the line, 14 points. Uh, Rui Thomas wrote a really nice breakdown of him earlier in the week where he really he looked at his shot charts. And when Omri Caspi was young, he had this propensity to pull up from 15 feet, 18 feet, these elbow jumpers. And he was a little bit like Derek Williams where a lot of times he was off balance. He's going too fast. He's... He's trying to like run in as fast as he can and then just straight up and pull up, and it didn't work. And what we've seen this year from him, he's not even taking threes. I think he's like one of nine from the three-point line. Some of those are forced, uh, you know, at the buzzer type stuff. They're they're not always, you know, your typical three-point catch and shoot. But what he's doing is he's going right to the rack. He's pushing the ball on for fast break points. Um, you know, the Kings have become a, a quality fast break team and he's also taking guys off the dribble and doing really nice things. So so I don't want to let, uh, you know, I think Landry and Caspi are holding their own. I think Ramon Sessions is a guy who has not held his own all season long. Last game, he didn't play at all. I thought that was really interesting to see him get a DNP CD against, uh, who was it? Oh, against the Pelicans. And then to have Michael Malone, Michael Malone told me in pregame that the plan in that game if Rudy Gay couldn't go because Rudy Gay has been fighting some uh, tendonitis in his Achilles, that Malone told me he was actually going to use Ray McCallum as a starter against the three-guard set of the uh, the Pelicans. And I thought that that was really interesting. But Ray McCallum played you know a bunch in that game. And then tonight, again, he's like, He's like Stauskas. He gets, you know, 25 seconds play, and we don't see much of him. So I, I like what Ray McCallum is bringing because he at least plays defense where Sessions isn't giving you offense and he's not giving you defense at all. I mean, his offense has been bad. His his defense has been, like, worse than atrocious. He's one of the worst. I mean, I like it's it's like watching Baino Udra. It's just he's not doing anything on the defensive end at all to help out. So I, I kind of find it interesting that Malone came back to Sessions tonight. I thought he would give Mac, uh, McCallum a little bit of a longer leash, but he was clear in pregame that he was going to come back to Sessions tonight, and that was just like a circumstantial thing, and you know it, it's what happened in that game. So anyway, there's the Sessions uh breakdown <laughs> the session's gripe session <laughs> yeah yeah it, i mean that's what it is right it, it's become an issue where you have to look at it, can the the kings where can the kings help themselves if they're going to go out and get extra players and uh one of those positions is become the backup point guard even though 
you spent two million bucks a year on sessions and you have them this year and next i think the kings have circled december 15th on their on their calendar as the day that they can trade sessions because that is the day they can trade sessions but it's the day that they you know will honestly start to look to move him uh, to find a different piece, whether it's Ray McCallum coming in and, and filling in those minutes or they're getting someone else in return. Yeah. I, I think the thing, though, with the Kings that I'm seeing is like a pressing need. And, and it's kind of looking at Omri Caspi's stats. You know, he's only shooting, you know, like you said, you know, one of eight or one of nine on the year. You know, he's shooting about a third less three pointers than he did in Houston and that he typically takes. Mm-hmm. And I think the Kings shot six of them tonight, if I'm not correct. Um, yeah, four of six from three. They're, I think they're hitting the least threes in the league. Um, oh, by a long shot. Yeah. And so that's the exact opposite of what the entire stat loving basketball Twitterati would have you think is is what you should be doing and cousins is so good and rudy is a really good compliment to him that they are good enough to compete with these really good teams but again heaven forbid anything happens to either of them rudy's achilles acts up or something somebody gets injured or they get in foul trouble or they simply have to sit and you know they're not staggering their rotation they don't have anybody that can create um, Darren Collison can create a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, his jumper has really developed. I think I saw somebody say they hadn't seen him hit that elbow jumper at all during his time in Dallas. Um, so he's actually improved his game quite a bit. Um, but they need somebody that they can turn to that can stretch the defense, hit some threes. So that, that's what I'm looking for to see where the next shoe drops. Yeah, that I agree. Uh, the one thing I'll point out with Collison, he had 12 assists tonight. I think he had 11 last game. That's 23 assists. He had one turnover tonight, and he had zero last game. So his, his last two games, both double-doubles, he has 23 assists and one turnover. I think every team in the league would take that assist-to-turnover ratio. All right, you're listening to the Cowbell Kingdom podcast brought to you by Jiffy Lube. I am James Ham. Alongside me is Mr. Aaron Bruski, NBC Sports. Aaron, we've got another huge thing to talk about, and I don't know how this worked out because I thought once the training camp session ended, once the season began, that we were going to have to wait to see what happens with Rudy Gay, and that is not what happened. The Sacramento Kings landed a big fish when they traded for Rudy Gay. They landed a big fish when they got him to stay and opt into a $19.3 million contract. And they landed the big fish again yesterday when they, on Wednesday, when they officially signed Rudy Gay to a three-year $40 million deal. I, I, I'm shocked, but at the same time, I'm really, really impressed by what's happened here. What is your take on the Rudy Gay signing? This was great. A lot of people kind of took Rudy to test. They thought that he could do better, and he certainly could have waited through till the end of the year and leveraged the Kings, who are desperate to keep him. Been and a distraction, though. Yeah, exactly. And what this was was a case of a player recognizing that this team – desperately wants to keep him and desperately wants him to do very well. And they will go to any length to make that happen. So he does the short term deal at an affordable rate, I might add. Yes. And he positions himself for yet another big contract 
after he showcased as the clear number two in an up-and-coming Kings team that he'll take a lot of credit for being, you know, if they continue this turnaround, he'll take a ton of credit for that. So as long as he stays healthy, it's a bet on himself, you know. Mm-hmm. There's probably a little bit that. But when you have the money that he's got from prior contracts, you can afford to play the game a little bit more aggressively, a little, you know, a lot of guys take the bet, the biggest contract they get, and they don't care about fit. You know, he's got a great fit right now. And from the Kings perspective, you couldn't hope for anything better. I mean, you get locked, you got your two guys locked in, you're going into a new arena, you have certainty before the trade deadline, and you can really now build around these guys. So I just thought it was a, a, a knockout, you know, <laughs> Big home run out out of the park for uh, Pete D'Alessandro and the Kings. I totally agree. The the one thing I'll point out to you that to, that goes with that is that Chandler Parsons signed a max money deal, and Gordon Hayward signed a max money deal. And I personally believe that Rudy Gay is better than both of them. Uh, that's that's I guess it's arguable. Uh, I think that maybe you could make a case for Hayward. Um, maybe they're a couple of years younger than Rudy Gay, but at the same time. I don't care. This guy is a very good basketball player, and um, I'm going to have a conversation coming up with Pete D'Alessandro where we discuss this a little bit, but, I mean, the fact is that a 51-game test drive in in Toronto turned into, like, literally him crashing, a, like, a dealer's car. I mean, like, oops, sorry about that. Um, his His value sunk so low, and... The weird thing is is that it sunk so low with the advanced statistics people. And to me, that's really, really annoying. Because advanced statistics people, they know that like the plus-minus in a single game means absolutely nothing. You need a larger sample size. And in a guy's career, again, 600 games, I, I think is he's around 600 games played in his career, to pull out a 51-game sample and roast him and and basically throw him away as an NBA player, and then you know again making fun of the Sacramento Kings for taking on a 19.3 million dollar salary for the next year. You know everyone's like, man, the Kings are crazy because Toronto's trading him because they're worried he's going to opt into his 19.3 million dollar deal, and Sacramento's picking him up, hoping that he'll stay. It's like the Kings are the only ones that would take on Rudy Gay. That's what people make it sound like. And it's based on such a small sample size. I mean, I I had talked to people last year after the Kings had made that deal. I talked to people during Summer League. And it's like, well, what do you think Rudy Gay is worth? And their consensus, national guys that had talked to, had talked to executives, was that Rudy Gay was worth around $8 million a year. But none of the guys that were willing to say he was $8 million a year were willing to sign him to that deal. Oh, and I- I got breaking news for you, James. About half the people that have a considerable following on Twitter, I, they just don't know basketball. I can't, I can't explain why they don't You're know going basketball. There. <laughs> uh, course, yeah, why not? I mean, like some of the stuff I read, I'm just like, I, I, I don't know what to say. Whether it's like clearly wrong and the stats will show it's wrong, or if it's just one of those things where it's completely, you know. Uh, qualitative and yeah. you, you just kind of shake your head. Um, so yeah, a lot of stupidity goes out there. And this actually started during his last year in Memphis because Zach Randolph got hurt and he was asked to carry the, the load a little bit more. And I think Rudy did take some liberties that he shouldn't have taken, but that's part of growing as a young player. 
And in Toronto, he was asked to be the man, not like, you know, hey, maybe pass it around a little bit. They said, hey, you need to take this, whatever, 19 shots a game. Yeah. And they it, the offense wasn't very imaginative. He was operating above the break, and a lot of bad things happened as a result, and it skyrocketed out of control and took a life of its own. So I saw very few writers that actually got this right, that it was a good move. And it was – I mean – you take a guy and you, you say, you're the clear number two now. You don't have to take all these wild shots. Of course, his efficiency was going to improve. The only question that that's ever really been you know, kind of out there and lingering was, did the Kings have enough firepower this season to be able to keep guys off his back? And that's where Darren Collison has come in and done such a good job. Yes. Is he's been the counterweight to... I, I took a picture the other day of the defense that they were playing against Rudy and the Kings struggle. It was against the Pelicans. Um there was five guys in the paint, and that's going to be a problem. If Ben McLemore can't hit shots, if the Kings don't take more threes, sometimes I think they're just simply not taking them. Um, you know, Teams are going to start to compress the lane, and I wonder, you know, the Bulls with their – we're going to try to get DeMarcus Cousins out of his game. I wonder if they're reading from last year's game plan or, pardon me, um, you know, advanced scouting report when teams come and they now know, okay, hey, we got to shut down DeMarcus Cousins at all costs, and when Rudy Gay gets the ball, you got to pack the paint – you know, Ben McLemore is going to beat us. He's going to beat us. Can they react and respond to that? And so far they have. Yeah, I, I think that Kings are a – they're still a work in progress. They're still one or two really good players away from being, you know, if you want to put them as a contender. Um, but I, I'm still – I you know, I've talked about this a couple of times in a couple of different, you know, podcasts and, and radio interviews in the last couple of days because that's what happens when the Kings get good people start calling and wanting to talk um, that I, I don't I can't put a number I don't know how good this team is and I, I'm not going to know how good te- this team is I mean for a while they've got you know this little stretch here to finish November I think they have five games left in November no one thought that they would win seven games in the entire month let alone seven games with five games remaining and so if they can somehow split these last five games up and come out of the month of, you know, say they go three and two and they walk out of the month of November at like 10 and seven, I think people around the league will be absolutely flabbergasted how the Kings pulled that off. I mean, they, they still have to beat, you know, I, I think, what do they have? They have uh, Minnesota, which is winnable. They have, um, man, what is their schedule? Got Minnesota. They've got a, a New Orleans again on Tuesday, uh, a back-to-back uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday um, with another winnable game, and then they come back for San Antonio before you know you know finishing up the month uh, with one more home game here. But then they go into December, and the December schedule is so crazy. They've got 15 games in December. 11, 11 of the 15 are at home. Of the uh, the ele- of the fifteen games, eight of them are against the Eastern Conference. They've got four road games. The four road games: one is in Golden State, one is in uh, in LA against the Lakers, and then they have two at the very end of the month. Uh, one's in New York, and one is somewhere else. And it's just not that difficult. I mean, I can see the Kings going ten and five as like a bare minimum in the month of of December if they're playing the way they are right now. And so this team potentially could be at 20 wins going into January 1st. 
when all they win is 28 games every other year or 25 games or 17 games, they could potentially be around a 20-win team with three and a half months left in the season. You know, January, February, March, and half of April. Three and a half months left to go get yourself, you know, another 15 to 20 wins. And I think that's on the easy side, right? I, I think we're starting to think that maybe this is a 40-win team and then we're going to go plus minus, you know, a few games on that number as opposed to more like a 34-win team. And that's just because they're playing so well. They're playing so well together. Again, I made this point with uh, with Dave. This team's been together seven weeks. That's it. Seven weeks. You look at tonight, and uh, Jason Thompson, Rudy Gay, DeMarcus Cousins, Ben McLemore, those four were uh, came in to – they played together last year. All right, Darren Collison, new addition. Omri Caspi, new addition. Ramon Sessions, new addition. Carl Landry played 18 games last year. That's your core group. Uh, Derek Williams played tonight, but again, Derek Williams came over in a midseason trade last year. These guys just haven't played together at all. And the fact that they're able to somehow get some chemistry this quickly, and uh, that's shocking to me. And, and they can win games without shooting three-pointers? Uh, again, that's shocking. It's but, wild. Well, the three-pointer thing, it speaks to what DeMarcus is doing. And, and I think if you told me that he would have not just the press release that he's doing better and that team USA is helping, you know, the cause, you know, all that kind of foo-foo stuff that you hear every year about every guy, but that he was actually going to walk the walk and talk the talk. If you, if, if I knew that for a fact coming into the season, and then I knew that he would play defense at this insane level, I probably up the, the win projection by 10 wins. Uh, I'm, I was, I think 32, so I would be working off 42. I do think depth is a big concern. And I'm also concerned that the second time through the schedule that teams are going to figure these guys out. And uh, even that what you speak to as far as them not being together, it's a little bit of a wild card for opponents, not necessarily knowing how all these guys will gel. So um, I would if I you know gunned ahead today, I'd probably say something like 37, 38 wins is is probably the new total. Uh, you don't want to overreact to the beginning of the season. Uh, a win over the Bulls without Derrick Rose and, and uh, Pau Gasol, especially when the Kings have this weird thing where they always beat the Bulls, and I don't know why. Um, it, I don't want to overreact to it too much. But, yeah, you know, it's a good time to be a Kings fan because, uh, yeah, you just gained like 10 wins in the, in the minds of probably a lot of basketball observers in Las Vegas as well. Yeah, you play the games in front of you, though, Aaron, Aaron Bruski. I don't the care. Those that those shows that... up, that's the game. Because, you know, the same team without Pau Gasol and without Derrick Rose, uh, they went in and beat the Clippers. And the Clippers are, like, terrible right now. And 105 me, to 89. That's... Me, you, John, um, who John else? Car Car Carmichael, Dave, and Deuce Mason could have beaten the Nuggets the other night. Oh, the Nuggets or the the Clippers? The the Nuggets. Oh yeah. So the see. early season wins with the Nuggets were. I don't were know, Javale. I think would swat all of us every. Season. And and I'm not serious. We would never win. I'm not going to be like Demarcus and say that Kentucky could beat Philly because that's ridiculous. Let me let me read you this quote uh, before we finish up this portion uh, of of the podcast and we switch gears to NBA stuff. Um, this is Coach Tom Thibodeau uh, before the game 
on DeMarcus Cousins and the Team USA experience. He was great. The thing that impressed me the most is he made it clear right from the beginning how badly he wanted to be on the team. And he did that through his actions. It wasn't really anything he was saying. It was the way he practiced, the way he approached everything. He helped set the tone for the team. Not for himself, for the team. That I mean, that is a very good quote. We talked to Monty Williams on Tuesday night when uh, the Pelicans were here. Monty said he woke up every day and didn't and worked out with Demarcus Cousins. He said he loves the kid. Uh, that those two were like inseparable. Not Rudy Gay and the rest of the team. He was talking specifically about Demarcus Cousins, sort of the untapped potential there. This guy did get a lot out of the USA experience, and uh, I think it's paying dividends, and this team is coming together quickly, and it's shocking, and I think it has a lot to do with like a, a million different moving pieces. But at the end of the day, all that matters is a team 7-5 and five against an, a brutal schedule. Again, most people had this team 1-11 or 2-10, and 10, and Mike Malone being on the ropes. That is what every like pundit had them, had the Kings doing in the first 12 games of the season, and that's not where they're at. They're a much, much better team than anyone thought they would be. I think he hung out with The Rock this summer, and The Rock set him straight. There it is. There it is. All right, Aaron Bruski, you brought up the Clippers. What's wrong with the Clippers? Let's do a little bit of NBA talk here, but let's make it short. Yeah, yeah. What's what's wrong with the Clippers? Quick hitters. Clippers just look like they're either playing themselves into shape or – Something is sour in the locker room. Uh, they won. They beat the snot out of the, the heat tonight. So maybe that gets it out of their system. They rested their starters in the fourth quarter on Wednesday night against the Magic. Um, they've got a big uh, seven-game road trip in 11 days. So this will probably be the end of the Clippers are sleeping talk unless – see, Blake Griffin's explosion has just not been there. And I wrote about this at NBCSports.com. Either he is – playing himself into shape or he has some nagging injury or there's some unforeseen circumstance. And we're going to figure out which one it is here in the next week. So uh, I expect them to all lift their game and, and get over this preseason bug, whatever it is. And uh, you know, you just, we see it every year. There's probably two or three teams that are really good that just, for whatever reason, they just don't start until December. Uh, You know, I'm going to blame it squarely on the fact that they have creepy Rob Lowe playing backup center. That's awful. <laughs> creepy Rob Lowe. Thank you, Spencer Haas. You are creepy Rob Lowe. Yeah, uh, I'm going to blame it on that because everyone knows that Spencer Haas is that guy. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that team, they have to be good at some point, right? They've got too many weapons. They're, they're too well built to like to stumble like this. It is it is shocking. You just look at them like, what exactly? And they haven't even had a major injury. They they have a depth problem at at the wing. Jamal Crawford's playing out of his mind right now, but beyond that, everybody else is struggling. And when uh, so like for instance, Matt Matt Barnes, Sacramento's own Matt Barnes, he's going through a divorce. I'm guessing that's part of his problem, and he's getting Mm -hmm. up there in age, and he's a little bit dinged up. When when you when you're relying on a Matt Barnes, and he's going through a divorce, and he's supposed to be your big minute guy on the wing, that's when things start to break down. Griffin, he's not quite there. You know, teams are able to cover J.J. Redick pretty well. Chris Paul, while a genius and still one of the top point guards in the league, he's not quite able to shake guys as much as he was, say, two years ago. So Hmm. it's all just kind of collapsing on itself early. It's going to work itself out. 
And heck, I had the Clippers to win it all in the preseason, and I'm not changing that just yet, even though I don't have any confidence in my pick at this point in the year. Wow, check that out. No confidence in your own pick. All right, quickly, give me fantasy. What do you got fantasy-wise? Is there a sneaky pick that's blowing up right now besides Omri Caspi? (laughs) Besides Omri Omri the Finger Guns Caspi. Um, I'm going to go with Iman Shumpert. I put him on the cover of Rotor World the other day. He had a huge night, and he followed it up with a 1 of 11 dud, so... Maybe he'll be available for owners. He's a top 100 player by stats. They are a team going nowhere. A bunch of guys are going to probably get hurt. He's an injury risk as well, but Phil Jackson actually really likes him. He cuts well off of the triangle. He's had some big games. He went for like 28 and 8 the other night. That's how he got the cover. I would say go find Iman Shumpert. Go do the shump. It's all fun. Really? All right. Iman Shumpert. All right. You got me there. I, I'm not picking him up. I'm not. I, I'm not picking him up. I'm not picking up Swaggy P, who I waved. So I, it is what it is. All right. That's going to do it for this portion of the Cowbell Kingdom podcast. Aaron Bruski, thanks so much for uh, for staying up late and doing this one after a very, very late night TNT uh, Sacramento Kings Chicago Bulls matchup. I do it for the people. You do it for the people. All right, well, this portion of the Cowbell Kingdom podcast was brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lube, fast and convenient automotive services with over 25 locations in the area. Visit them at jiffylubeca.com for coupons and locations today. You can find those coupons right on Cowbell Kingdom. Click the link. Go get yourself a oil change because Jiffy Lube is awesome, and that's what you should be doing to your car. So for Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. You've been listening to the Cowbell Kingdom podcast. is a weird place. Cyber attacks, ransomware, car hacking, identity theft, smart devices in your home that may not be as smart as you think. And that's where Hackable comes in, a brand new podcast from McAfee. With the aid of human guinea pigs, we'll put each one of these threats to the test to find out if they're really as scary as they seem. You can find Hackable on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio from. You'll be shocked at what we learn. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.